Welcome to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, we have on the show a leader of men, a devoted husband, a veteran, a, mega, a member of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, a father of the two best and brightest, and one of our most favorite people on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Cameron Wesley. <laughs> I saw you threw it up there for him real quick, huh? Oh, that's right. <laughs> you ready to get this thing on the road? Let's get it popping, man. All right. What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? Who or what defined you? What person did I meet or see? Oh. Well, hmm. I mean, I, I can't define one person because there has been several people that I met, but I've always had a drive in myself, but the defining moment that let me know that I can do anything that I put my mind to was the moment I met President Bill Clinton. Um, and the reason why I say that was, is because, um, a little black country boy like myself, uh, raised up with my grandmother in, in the South, in, uh, Hopkins, South Carolina. Um, you know, it meant a lot to me to go from there, that little country, a little dirt road, uh, to meet and shake the president's hand and then take a picture with him. Um. And for that moment, when I shook his hand and he said, excellent job, um, soldier, uh, you know, it made me stop and think, what else could I do? What else can I do from that moment? And, uh, you know, that changed my mindset um, because I had to fight a lot of things in the military, um, from racism, from roadblocks, um, from black on black uh, stigmas, you know, uh, it, it meant a lot to me. So that moment, I think it was 1990 through 90, 92 or 93, something along that line. It changed a lot for me at that moment because I had never seen that, uh, or never experienced any feeling like that for me. And so from that moment on, I realized if something that I want to do wanted to do really really put my mind to it no matter what the obstacles uh, that was put in front of me all i had to do was just keep moving forward and uh, that changed my life when i met uh president bill quick wow you just said a mouthful there's so many things i want to ask you about the diaspora which you just spoke from can you speak mm -hmm. to me about having the patience to get through the stigmas that you fought through in the military Huh. You know, I can't say it was all patience. It's probably 20% ignorance, um, I have to say, because, you know, growing up with my grandmother, uh, God bless her soul, um, you know, she had a second grade education and she raised me to be a man among men. And, uh, she wasn't privy to a lot of things and we weren't 
the first we weren't we never had cable so i was never up to par on the newest of events back then when uh bt came out on cable and the new videos came out on hip-hop you know i wasn't up to par you know i was you know so with that being said fast forward into your question you know going through the stigmas and and and, and the roadblocks and being hipped up to my age group uh, i was behind and so i think uh you know my grandmother going up through the old south you know she was trying to teach me in her way how to deal with uh, clandestines or white people or racist white people, I should say. And I would always ask her, I would I would ask her, you know, what's what's wrong with them? Why are they color? Why are they lighter than us? Or, you know, she would say, well, they have a skin problem. So I'm growing up in the <laughs> South, you know, thinking they have a skin problem mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm physically stronger. I'm always faster. From the day I started competing in sports, I love sports because that's how I outlet, you know, growing up in the South, you go running outside, playing all the time. And when you're outside playing, you develop some critical skills of thinking, you're faster, you, you, you can do things. And so, of course, you're good at, you know, certain things like math and stuff like that. So you're wiser so to speak, a lot faster than most kids. So of course I'm making A's and straight A's and E's back then. I don't think they do that do that type of stuff now. So when I asked when I got into the real world in the military, you're gonna you run into let me back up. I also had a, my my biological mother and my aunt, there's there were educators. Uh, they didn't allow me to speak with, say the word this, T-H-I-S, with D-I-S, this and that. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to grammatically say the words and phonetically sound them out. Um, so here you are back in the 70s, in the early 80s, in the deep south, in the country, enunciating mm -hmm. the words correctly. That didn't fare well with some of the deep south country kids. Mm. So when you go into the military and they hear you from South Carolina and you're speaking and enunciating the words correctly as a black man, that doesn't fare well in Georgia when you do your basic training in infantry. Um, and then you're killing them in the two mile run or the push-ups or the sit-ups because again, we are physical in nature we outside running we outside playing we're doing things and so it doesn't help them that i ran track i ran cross country i ran a two mile and i'm running two mile and i'm running the uh the mile in four minutes and 32 seconds i'm killing the game so when i get in the military it's nothing for me to run and be past my pt test so fast forward to your questions the obstacles i had to, i had to face i get to fort Ord, california my first base the first thing you do when you get to your your assignment base, they give you a physical fitness test. I ran my first two miles in 10 minutes and 15 seconds, which is unheard of. 
you uh, normally run a two mile at the fastest, 11 minutes and 15 seconds. That's the fastest guy they had, which was a white Caucasian guy. Well, I, of course, I shaved the whole minute off of his run time, almost. Mm-hmm. Well, they told me I was cheating. Uh, you know, they, they couldn't believe that uh, a African guy who doesn't like cold, a black guy, you know, I say African, mm-hmm. but that's who, that's what I relate myself to. Um, they told me I was cheating. And so they gave me another test, PT test like a month later. And then I, I ran it, I slowed down a little bit. So I ran it in like 11 minutes then. And, and then I did, uh, mm-hmm. you normally do like 84 push-ups. I did 120 push-ups in two minutes. And so, you know, you have to constantly prove yourself. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, the black soldiers were happy that they had someone to represent them in the physical fitness area because if there were drugs in the, in the, in the area, they were smoking marijuana, which was illegal in the military back then. It's, it still is probably, I'm sure it is, you know, but it was heavily rampant back then. People drink a lot of alcohol and stuff like that you know and that's something that i didn't do you know nobody can force me to do anything i didn't want to do that's part of my makeup part of my manhood you know Mm -hmm. who i am is who i am you can't force me to do anything and that's one thing my grandmother raised me to be be my own self think for my own self and so but you know that's one of that's one of the obstacles i had to face was going against the grain of my own people trying to get me to drink, hang out with them, smoke marijuana, and mm. then going against the grain on the white side was they were going to stop me from becoming physical fit and talking a certain way, walking a certain way. I mean, I just do my makeup fit. You know, I want to be the best of the best. And being the best of the best to me was being physical fit, get my mind and body right finding out who was the best, crushing them, and then getting to the top. You know, my goal was then was to be the command sergeant major of the army. Um, but, you know, when you're fighting both sides, you know, you're a sellout. Why? Because you're not hanging out with us. I want you to break the label. I'm like, break the label? You know, here I am. Again, I'm not hip with all the hip, all yeah. everybody, because I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm, I'm growing up on the country road. I don't get the chance to hang out at the skating ring or at the at the uh, gym playing basketball yeah. Yeah. because we don't have a car. You know, we don't have a car. I'm on a dirt road. So I'm left way behind in my era. You know, I got to catch up real fast. So these guys say, you know, break the label, break the label. Well, what's breaking the label? Well, breaking the label is you got a 40 ounce and you got to drink it down to the label at least. I don't drink, you know. Yeah. So, okay, here I am. You know, it's okay. I'm gonna hang out to you guys. So I drank a little bit. I'm totally toasted. Well, good thing for me, I got good friends that don't drink. And, um, you know, I call them and they get me out of the situation. They say, okay, Wes, this is not you. This is not who you are. Yeah. You know, don't hang out around with those guys, you know, get me out, you know. So that's when I, you know, get back to myself, go on, become a ranger, get me the president, travel around the world, become. The, the world top elite soldier and defeat a lot of countries, you know, all kind of stuff. Sniper, can the battalion sniper, you know, get myself back on track. Yeah. You know, but it, those, 
all those amazing all, all those amazing things you just said you know what stuck in my mind the most and I, and I want to I want to stay here and, and talk about this did you slow down for them no no you, no. you just happened to no. run it you just happened to run the 11 because I do you think something in you was like well oh. if I you ran 10 15 because you were free your mind was free you were just being your best do you think the second time around not on purpose but maybe subconsciously you slowed down a little bit you know i, I can't because almost 25 30 years ago i can't really say what i was thinking in but probably the weight and the anger you know i, I kind of felt the pressure of racism for the first time mm -hmm. and you know because when I when I came back across the line at 10 15 some of the black soldiers that were so-called hurt on light duty and couldn't run was like we got one now it was patting me on the back and I was confused like what in the world's going on mm. yeah yeah we got we got y'all white hey, 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 you know we got y'all now we got our own now yeah, he got y'all now. We got our own. Yeah, you keep doing what you're doing, brother. You know, I'm like, you know, you know, I'm not, I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm literally oblivious to what's going on. And they're patting me on the back saying, yeah, you keep doing what you're doing. Kill him, you know. See, you know, get get mm -hmm. get those cameras, you know. Yeah. He's gonna kick y'all behind, you know. And this is like in today's world, a Trump base violent up the base, you know, on mm -hmm. both sides. You know, so you got like five of brothers over here and, and maybe, you know, the sergeants and the corporals over here to write down the times. You know, you got the leaders over here and the sick, sick calls over there, you know, going at each other. You know, the ones that don't care and the ones that's empowered that I'm trying to get to, you know, they're going at it and I'm in the middle. You know, so subconsciously I'm aware, but realistically mm. i'm oblivious you know i have never experienced anything like this before but i'm not dumb because i can put the puzzles together you know yeah. in my mind i'm like oh my gosh this is what's really happening i don't want any part of this you know i've always been peaceful and i ain't never been in any controversy in my life you know i'm fresh 18 fresh out of the country but my grandmother we always been peaceful you you're poor but you don't know you're poor you just right. live the life in that and all it's you happiness. have yeah, when you're poor, all you do, all you know is you want more. And that's the beauty about being poor. If you got the drive and you got the ambition to want more, you never stop, you know? And that's all I knew. But you don't want nothing to get in the way of that, you know? Right. So subconsciously, you're probably correct. You know, I probably had a little weight on my shoulders. And, uh, but I, from that moment on, I always ran around about 11, 10, 57, 11. I kept it. You know, I always was number one. I made sure I was the first one back. And uh, because running was just a natural thing. I didn't have to run hard anymore because competition-wise from lower to high school, I always had to run hard to compete, get first to second, first to second. But when you get in the military, you just running to be, get your 100-point score in that category and then move to the next category, which is sit-ups and push-ups. And, you know, that's really what I wanted to do because you only need to get back before 11.57 in my age group at that time. And um, and that's what I wanted to do, accomplish. I didn't run to compete against anybody. I wanted to leave that life behind. 
But here I get back in military, I'm, I'm competing against another race for winning. You know, it's crazy. Well, I will say this. Shout out to LR High School. <laughs> breeding breeding yeah. champions, okay? South yeah, Carolina, big shout up. out. Big shout out to LR Diamonds, you know? I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you have a vision board? I have a vision book. Uh, you know, I got uh, a vision book. Uh, my kids have a vision board. I talked to them about the vision board. Um, I have uh, a desktop full of, I wish I could show you, uh, a, a vision tabs, you know, of goals that I want to hit. And then I go in there nightly, probably from 10 to 12 after family time, and I open them up and I see if I hit those. And then, um, I, you know, something like the movie Notebook, I have what's called a notebook. And in my notebook, this is my, like my 10th one, hold them down when I achieve them. As you can mm. see right now, you know, uh, right now I'm working on something different. I got myself a, a different type of challenge going on which is teaching myself how to do stocks. And I got a $100,000 challenge to myself for this year. And um, it's not bad. Um, oh man, listen, yeah. listen, listen. Okay, okay. You just told me that you have a $100,000 challenge. That is a apex goal that you have this year. Please give me an apex goal that you have achieved. Okay. Uh, the first goal, um, well, I, okay. The first goal I have achieved was to, let's see. The first goal was to make sure that I didn't spoil my kids, um, to keep them hungry. That was the very first goal. Um, mm. Not to spoil my kids. That was the very first goal. I knew that I was going to be something, a, something what I call successful. And I don't mean wealthy or rich. I was just going to be successful in life. That means I wasn't going to be, uh, I knew I was going in the military. I knew I was going to be an airborne ranger and a sniper and all that good stuff, a super soldier, because that's what I wanted to be. But I didn't want it to become an alcoholic or, you know, something like that. Now, not to say I don't have some type of problems. I suffer from migraine headaches and all the other stuff. Um, all the time, but I didn't want it to be a burden on my family to that point to where I had to resort to drinking. So with that being said, I didn't have, I can't say a lot. I had what I need growing up to get me to this point. So I didn't want to give what I didn't have to my kids when they asked for it. So I wanted them to stay hungry like I did because I knew what I saw with, with some of my cousins getting everything they want versus where they are and where I'm at today. So I want to make sure that I give them a good life, a great life and experiences, but make sure they have the same hunger that I had growing up because I knew that was very important for me to have something. And so that was the first um, apex goal that I wanted to make sure that I achieved was to make sure they stay hungry whatever it is that they want or go after and not to over 
give them anything that they wanted. You know, dad, I want a bike. I give them that. Dad, I want this. I give them that. You know, I think I want to. It's hard as a parent to do that. Um, but I had to pull back. Now, I had to dress it up now. Don't get me wrong. I had to dress it up in the point to where they had to earn things. And something that they really want. So you'll get that when you get your own job. You know, but it's very hard to do as a parent, as a dad, because our job as a as a father is to provide, protect, and profess our love. You know, the three P's, and I, I try to do that, um, but it's very hard to do, and uh, I fail sometimes because when they come and say that I, you know, you, know, you go off, say no, you ain't gonna get it, but you know, you you do it anyway. You, you said a mouthful. It's two things I want to discuss within what you said. Uh, the first thing I want to discuss is that the fact that we have to have discipline as the next generation who actually had a chance to be more than middle class or middle class. We have kids that need to know that they're, that that is a privilege for us to be able to maneuver through this system and actually have something to give to our kids. So you left that starvation in them. I think that's, I think that's profound. As a parent, mm -hmm. I have not even thought about that process of starving my son out a little bit. So far, he's only three, but I pretty much give him everything he asked for. And now I think you just hurt some of his chances <laughs> in, a, yeah. in, a, in a good way, though. And I and I really appreciate that. Yeah. And and the second thing is you talking stocks with this pandemic. A lot of people still did not turn towards the stock market as an African American. African, most of us do not manage our money in the stock market and the fact that you're going towards that direction it speaks volumes of where you want to be in terms of wealth and health and sustainability and i encourage anyone everyone to go and just try to invest in something that you already have that you use that has a stock it has an ipo it's amazing stuff well let me touch on that a little bit and when I went into the military, I ran into a Puerto Rican guy named Rodriguez. And he was uh, telling me about and uh, this insurance company called NCO Academy. And it was for NCOs at the time. I went in as a PFC, uh, E3. I went straight into the military as E3. I skipped E1 and E2. I went in straight as E3. And, um, and he said, look, he said, Wesley, you know, you need to get you some life insurance and whole life. You're physically fit, one of the most physically fit uh, soldiers I've ever seen. It's gonna be real cheap for you. It's gonna be $47 a month and we're gonna invest their $53 for you and it'll compound over 20 years and you'll be a millionaire. I'm like, ah, $100 a month, I can't afford that. He said, man, if you can't afford to spend $100 on yourself, then you, don't need to be in the military. You need to be doing something else. You know, I'm like, okay, so I did it. That was when I was like 19 years old. And so, lo and behold, I got tired of being deployed, blah, 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 blah. I got out of the military. And my wife and I, we expected our first son, it was just Cam, uh, in 97. Well, my wife was 60% of our income. She's a, she's a registered nurse. She got sick with hyperemesis which means she couldn't keep any food down for six months. Mm. Well, our income, our income got cut because we had to go on disability. You know, they pay 
what they normally pay, you get like forty percent of her income. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. So I'm working this nine to five job, and I'm only making like ten dollars an hour back then. It's way back in '97, which is whatever. So I had to think of how we're going to survive. I'm going to pay all these bills. So I got it. So I called my insurance company and I said, "Hey, how much money do I have saved up?" I had over twenty thousand dollars invested. You know, so I called and had them send me a check for fifteen grand, and then I learned the value of investing and getting that money. Had I not touched it for another four years, it would have compounded almost like two hundred thousand dollars. But I needed the money, you know. From there, you know, I did some some investing, some small investments. But last year, I started investing like $300 in Robinhood. And I really didn't mess with it. And then in December, uh, like in September, I, I did a little couple of movements around and it grew to 3,000. And then December, it grew to like, I'm gonna say three, five, 4,000, three, or 20, 29,000, something like that, 20, 2,900, something like that. Well, I started YouTubing and listening and looking. And there's no such thing as um, as a, a bad investment because where one go, you buy on the red, the dip or whatever, and you sell, you get your props, don't get greedy. But my point is I was able to take $300 and grow it to $7,500. Just YouTubing and listening, following people. And I follow this guy, and I don't know if you want me to promote him or not, but yeah, I follow this guy please. on YouTube. Yes. His name yes. is his name is his name is Chris Sane. Chris is Chris is C R C H R I S and his last name is Sane. S A I N. Very good brother on YouTube. Give a shout out to Chris Sane, but he's a very good brother. Easy to follow. Um makes very makes it very easy on Robinhood. A lot of people are against Robinhood because you got people who are very so savvy, you know, to do Weeble or uh, whatever, but Robinhood is so easy. I mean, because it's for people like us who just don't. We're not going to do trade options and all that stuff. Marginal trading. You don't need to do all that. It's $1,825 a year for 20 years at 6%. You'll be, you'll make over $1 million. That's $5 a day for a cup of coffee. Because the stock market pays you that. Of course, it's going to go up and down. That's five dollars a day. That's how much it costs a year. And what they don't tell you is, you would instead of putting your money in a savings account that gives you one percent or two percent a year uh, a month. Well, I allowance myself a hundred dollars a week. And what I've been doing instead of putting that money in a savings account, I go and put it in my dividend stock because there's certain stocks that pay you money for giving putting your money in the stock. So every month they'll pay me for 7% on that $100, but I put it in every week. So I was able to grow my money real fast. Now I invested in Tesla. Tesla went from what I bought at $300 to over $800. You know how much money I've made off of Tesla? I don't I don't have a savings account anymore. I put all my money into certain stocks that I follow with Chris Stane. He comes and tells you, this is gonna go from, from $18 to $60 buy $125 a share. So 
I take all my money out and my savings and buy $125 a share. Hey, I buy $200 shares for this. And guess what I just made? I made over $1,500. And then I sell it and then put it back because it gives you a count. And then I buy some shares of whatever she tell us a share. We make that money. I made over $3,000 in two days or three days. I know a person who bought one share of Tesla for $350 before they split and they were able to take that one that $350 and it turned into $12,000 because yeah. of the because of Tesla going up to 20 2300 then splitting and giving you five it, it it is actually one of the best games and it's fun to be in it's exciting win or lose it's exciting mm-hmm. to see your money actually do something for you and i encourage anyone to get on a stock level yeah, it's now, pretty easy. Um, but you know, I don't do it like uh, full time. It's just something part time because I sit here in the house sometimes, and uh, when I don't have a headache or something like that, I can I can do it. You know, I don't do it like all out like ever some people would do it. But if if you got the time and or part time, you know, you got a phone, you can do it. Well, talk to me about leaving where you're from. You spoke already about you growing up on a dirt road. But talk to me how important it is for someone to leave where they're from to experience the world. How is important it? You know, when I mentor kids, I talk to them often uh, about getting out and going seeing the world and experience it for you. You have to have something to, I believe, that you need something to measure something against. Because how do you know what's good and what's bad if you can't measure something against something else. We all do it. We all measure something against something else. I mean, the law of attraction is physical. I mean, you 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 don't just automatically walk up to somebody and say, oh, I like the way you sound, I'm in love. No, you don't. You look at something physically and say, wow, that's beautiful. You know, so you go to a different place and say, I'm in love with the city. You know, it has it has a wildness about you, about it. You know, it fits your 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 attitude. People go to New York and fall in love with the bright lights. People go in Philadelphia and fall in love with the with the serene, uh, the beauty of it, uh, the people. Oh, I'm sorry, my phone just going off there. And you go to California. I like California for the uh, for the atmosphere, the the weather. Um, I love it. There's no pollen. <laughs> I love it. You know, Texas. I like Texas for the dryness. You know, the open flat roads. You know, uh, Florida for the greenery. You know, Walt Disney World. Whatever. You know, you got to get out of your environment. You know, and go see for yourself. Um, and experience life for yourself. You know, I often, when I mentor kids, I tell them the first thing you gotta do is leave your small town, leave your big city for another city. Experience that, get some um, new wisdom under your belt. Uh, keep your head down, keep your nose up, keep your chin up and, and experience a new, get some, um, you know, some new life into, you know. Uh, I didn't live until I left South Carolina, you know, I had to, I had to go through some things, 
but that made me a stronger person. You know, I, I wasn't coddled underneath my family. You know, I had to get out and go experience for myself what it's like to, you know, get a couple of lashes on my on my legs there to figure out, you know, hey, I can't step this way because if I go that way, this may happen. If I go that way, this may happen. If I don't pay this bill, this is going to happen. If, if I don't get up and work, I'm not going to eat, you know. And uh, so going out on your own as a, as a young person, but keeping in touch with your family is key. I will say that. And I say that because if you're 18 and you run into a 35-year-old that's been in the game, they're going to know more than you. They're going to be wiser. And if they're not a good-hearted person, they can use bad wisdom to take whatever you have. Mm-hmm. And you need good wisdom. You need mom and dad wisdom to help you get through some things. And it's not it's not bad to say, hey, mom, dad, what do you think about this? Hey, um, what do you think about this? Hey, auntie, what do you think about this? Bounce your ideas off of people that you trust and then marinate on, on what they say before you act. That doesn't mean that you have to act solely on their opinion, but hey, take in consideration what they said mm-hmm. before you act. You know, it, that's plenty of times I had to call my Uncle Dennis, God rest his soul, and say, hey, Uncle, I'm about to buy this car. You know, and this dude said, blah, 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 blah. This is what's wrong with it. But I knew I already knew in my mind I'm going to buy this car. You know, the car wasn't good. It's a Pontiac Fiero. Remember those bad Fiero? It wasn't good. You know, he said, son, don't buy that car. You know, this is what's wrong with it. Blah, 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 blah. But I already knew in my heart I was going to buy the car. But I had to hear his opinion. And the guy told me one thing. It was running fine, blah, blah, blah. But I, I called him. He told me exactly what's wrong with the car. I bought the car in a way. Drove the car for two days, car broke down. Exactly what he said. Now I'm stuck holding the, holding the bill and I got to pay this bill and it costs too much to get the car fixed. But the guy was a sham artist. He scammed me out of my money. My uncle was right. I was wrong, but I learned. And today now when I buy cars for my kids, I know, I learned from that. And so, like I said, you know, you gotta have good people I would not let my son go out there at 18 and buy a car on his own. He knows when he want to buy something, he'll call me to the day and say, hey dad, what you think about this? I give him what I think. Or if I don't know, I say, let's call your uncle who's in the car game and mm-hmm. get his opinion. He he sees me do that. He knows that, hey, if dad do the research, yeah. if they see me do that, then I need to do the research, you know, before I make a move. Absolutely. And if he's, yeah, he see me back out some deals on some cars or see me back out some deals on some items, then he knows it's okay to back out a deal. All deals ain't good. So let let's take it up a notch. Let's talk about sacrifices. Army Ranger, military. I know you were ignorant to yeah. certain things, but what did you sacrifice for your to-do list, for your goals? What did you sacrifice? As when I sacrifice as for what specifically? You trying to achieve? You said that you knew you wanted to be a commander. You knew you wanted to do. You had a roadmap for yourself. So along that roadmap, along that path, that tunnel vision, you sacrifice certain things to achieve the goal. So right now we're talking about sacrifices and how people sometimes have to accept those sacrifices to get where they're going. Well. 
I often think about what did I get? What did I, what did I have to give up for that, that sacrifice to become an Auburn Ranger? Um, to be among the elite for that back then. I don't think it's too elitist to be part of that elite group now. It's not as hard, but um, back then it was. I don't know if I had to sacrifice a lot because I didn't have a lot back then. Um, all I had was me and my grandmother then. Um, would I do it again? Or well, I had me and my grandmother and my, my wife now uh, was, that was, uh, those two people was the only thing that near and dear to my heart then, back in the nineties. <laughs> so I didn't have a lot to sacrifice. Um, the time away from my grandmother, and I speak, I keep mentioning her because she's always near and dear to my heart, which is, like, which is my mother. Um, that's the only thing that you have to sacrifice is time away. Um, you, you can't get that back. Uh, that is always going to be gone because when I finish that training, you're gone, you know? You know, um, the friendship, the camaraderie, you know, you're going to have to let that go. You know, you, you can't be, how can I say it? You will have to turn off a relationship. You have to turn off some types of friendships to be focused on you, you know, to achieve that type of goal. Um, and when that sacrifice comes with a little bit cold heart, um, mm. you know, and then, uh, over the years, I think that's the only small regret I would have is that it allowed me to become cold and not as caring as I used to be when I, before I went in, um, because you, you turn off your emotions and it's kind of hard to turn that back on. Um, and it took me a long time to learn how to tell my my sons that I love them. Uh, it took me a long time to say, I will always say in a third sense, in a, in a third person, daddy, daddy loves you versus say, I love you. Mm. You know, it took me a long time to do that. Um, you know, if you wasn't in my circle before I became in that, in that range of life, and you couldn't get in that circle. Um, it, it took a long time for me to establish that. So that's the sacrifice that you would have to make, you know, going into that is learning how to have emotions. So, you know, even today, you know, I'm still trying to uh, tackle that demon, you know, having emotions. You know, you have to know right from wrong and the, the, the good thing about that is I had a strong upbringing uh, from my grandmother um, about right and wrong. And my morals are intact with that. Um, I don't have to, you know, you know, fight. You know, you know, I gonna say? It's, a, it's a great thing that she gave you that defense mechanism. Even having a second grade education, she gave you the morality of right and wrong as a lifelong defense mechanism. And we, I salute mm. your grandmother and praise her for that. But let's dive yeah. really, let's dive really, really deep here. 
Can you talk to me about your lowest moment when you were feeling like you didn't know yourself, but not just talk about that. We want to know how you got up. This is for the people who are maybe dealing, dwelling in their lowest moment right now. And they need tools. They need affirmations. They need opportunities to hear someone say how they got up. Can you share that with us today? My lowest moment. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I have a lowest moment thought. I don't know. I don't have to think about that one, man. I don't know if I had a lowest moment. Well, I do, but I don't know if I really want to share that. Well, give me, open give up me, that go, candle. Yeah, go go further up. <laughs> go yeah. further up. Don't go. So yeah, up. yeah, yeah. That that those are missions, man. Mission oriented, you know. Yeah, yeah. Don't go. Uh, so we, yeah, go, go yeah we we don't want to we, we don't want to go there. People look at they might want to they look at me differently and think differently about me, and you know, <laughs> you know, back in the military days. But we're going to talk about maybe something personal that you were dealing with for yourself that you yeah. like, that you turned off your emotions. There's something that, that you did to turn the emotions back on where it was a moment where you got low and it's like, okay, I need to. Well, I could say this. Um, I was feeling really, really bad for myself. And... Uh, Everything was failing, and I was at the lowest of low, and I was being discriminated against, and I was being targeted, so to speak. And I've always, I can't say pride myself on being a strong man, but I've always been strong for my family. And uh, I had contemplated suicide, and uh, I was very, very close. And I sat down in my house, and I turned out all the lights and I just couldn't get out of my head and I couldn't think of nothing else but just leaving the world and I don't know how long it took um, and this is right before I retired this was in July 2014 but I was tired of everything and uh, it was just overbearing. And I was being, like I said, I was being discriminated against and I couldn't figure out why the color of my skin was just overbearing. And it, it was not just, just and, I, and I'm saying not just white people, it was even my own people that was discriminating against me. And I could not figure out why. Because I'm not, even, I wasn't a, 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 a bad person. I just couldn't figure out why they would want to attack me. And uh, I had I had done everything that I could do to make it go away. And I had done everything that I could do except one thing: I didn't pray. Mm. And as I sat as I sat on the edge of the couch. And I said, let me try this one thing. 
Uh, hold on. Okay, yeah. All right, let me try this one thing. And I, I prayed to God. I asked him for help. And then as I did that, something happened that never happened before. My door, front door opened. And it was my wife. She came home in the middle of the day for no reason. And she said, what's wrong with you? And I think I, I think I, I just kind of like broke down. I don't know if I cried or I kind of just told her, you know, what was going on. And she said, no matter what it is, we'll get through this. And then, uh, you know, we just kind of like things changed from that moment on, you know? Um, I mean, and so my message to people, <laughs> you know, pray, pray to God, you know? At, in your lowest of lowest, you know, I, I had got in my own way. I said, I think the key word there, I had tried everything, but I didn't pray. You know, I had, like I said, you know, because of my military past, my heart has been, was hard. You know, I have no emotions. You know, you know, the thing is with me, I'm an old soldier. So if I work for you and you sit in a chair, and you give me a set of instructions. Those are the instructions. Until you remove, I have to follow my orders. And that's the way I treated my old job. Um, it didn't matter, you know, if the person didn't like me because of my skin color. Okay, I knew that. But you gave me a set of instructions. I do my job. Now, what you can't do is just be blatantly racist toward me. But it was happening. But I did my job. You know, but you can't treat civilian life like a military life. Um, but that happened. Um, I, I love the fact so, that that you went through. I I can liken it to when a snake sheds its skin. There's a growth process there. There's a a metamorphosis taking place. I think at that moment, the change was coming for you, and all you had to do was pray. And God sent you something. Yeah. He sent you, not only did he send you a tangible validation, he also gave it to you in your heart to stand up and, and hold on to what right now seems, what now, to me, in my opinion, you are needed here on this earth. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So many yeah. things you have done after that point. Dr. Miles Monroe, and I said this before, on, on another episode, Dr. Miles Monroe said, when someone leaves this earth, it's like burning down a forest. Mm. Could you imagine the forest you would have burned that day if she had not walked through mm -hmm. that door, if you have not prayed? Look at the forest, yeah. you, the fruit you have bared. I want you to talk to me about fatherhood. And I don't want to talk about, oh, it's amazing, the, the babies, all oh, the cute. I want to talk about the moments where you love your kids, but at this moment right now, I don't like you. You have to have, talk, talk to me about the patience as to being a father. Well, I mean, you know, I, I give it to you raw, man. I don't really cut corners about the googly googly stuff. I've never <laughs> done that. I've never done that with my kids. I mean, fatherhood is challenging, man. It really is. Um, I talk to my kids about the four cardinal principles of manhood. And uh, I pour out the principles of Omega Sci-Fi. I teach it to my kids. Manhood, scholarship, perseverance, and uplift. And, you know, I teach it to all kids in our, in our 
in my little boys club. Um, but fatherhood is, is definitely, it's challenging, man. You know, my, my firstborn, is, your firstborn is definitely gonna be your most challenging. I don't care if it's a girl, I don't care if it's a boy, it's gonna be challenging. And <clears throat> they're the ones that's gonna have to go through the brimstone. They're gonna have to go through everything with you because you're not gonna let that firstborn do a lot of things for fear of. Mm. And especially in, the days, in today's environment, <laughs> you know, you're definitely gonna be hesitant. You know, you're gonna have to put aside your own fears and teach them everything. Uh, starting with going on dates, dating the opposite race, dating a Chinese person, dating a Latino, uh, dating your own kind, um, getting pulled over by the cops, uh, going to Walmart to shop, getting going to put your stuff in the car. You know, you gotta do, you gotta go through everything with the first person. So if you have a second, then the second's gonna learn from the first person. And then you gotta talk to the first child about school, doing homework, and they're not gonna wanna do it because they have nobody, again, to compare it to. Mm. They are the first. You know, I go that comparison thing again. Now the second child is gonna be easy because if you put foot in the first child, the second child don't want none of that. And so, <laughs> you know, they don't. So, well, you know, I knew this. So my first child, Cam, Cam Jr., he got he got it bad. So the second child has never made it nothing less than an A. Because <laughs> he didn't want none of that. He yeah. didn't want none of that smoke. No, no, Tyler, Tyler got, uh, Tyler does his homework. He does his homework on his own. He does everything. He'll read his paper and tell us what time it can be to school. I mean, but the first one, oh my gosh, Cam <laughs> is amazing. I mean, you had to go, we had to go through it. Did you do your homework? Yes, sir. Teacher said, Cam to turn his homework in. Okay. <laughs> you know, that, that first one, man. Yeah, that I mean, I, I I had to get in that. I had to get in that. I mean, I went sat in the class when he was in twelfth grade. He walked in the class. I'm sitting in as a senior. Whoa! So, you know, I'm a, <laughs> I, I am I'm an involved parent, and I said, "Hey, man, you're in college, but don't make me sit in your class while you're in college. You're on my money, my time. You know, I am that parent. I'm an involved parent. I'm not a crazy parent. I'm just an involved yeah, parent. There's nothing wrong with that and being involved. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm told, you know, hey, you know, and, and with the colleges, and it's one key note I want to tell all the parents. Colleges will say, leave your child alone. But then they will put your child in classes that has nothing to do with them graduating. Being an involved parent in your child while they're going through college because they'll end up being in college longer than they need to. Don't, don't, like I said, it goes back to your child being 18 versus dealing with somebody who's been in the program, being at college or been there for 20 years. They're there to get money at their kid. They're not there to make sure your kid graduate on time. Don't fall for that okie doke. Mm -mm. Yeah, you know, I that firstborn is going to be challenging. And it goes back to the saying when I said, don't give them everything. Be hard on them. Um, it's better to bend that sap while they're young than try to bend that tree when they're old. Mm. Um, historically, uh, at 10, your child go to, go to be 6'1", 
what you think is going to happen if you give them everything and when, when they get to be six foot and you tell them no and they're 240 pounds and you're 165 what do you think is going to happen you know they used to hearing yes you know and then here you go look mom dad i don't need your car no you can't have it why not you know they start throwing stuff around the house yeah because they they used to hearing you say yes you know no you gotta program their mind and then you know the cub it always wants to be the, the headline. At some point, the cub wants to take over and challenge the line. When is that? When is that going to happen? Did it happen to me? Yes, it did. It happens to everybody. I, I think it happens. It happens even when they're one, two, three, four, five, six years old. I think they come at you in their own way. Whether you recognize it at the time is up to you. Yeah, yeah. We talk oh, about leaving. <laughs> we talk about leaving a legacy, but we mostly ignore major steps. Do you have a will? Yes, yes, we have wills. We have wills, we have contingency plans, we have uh, insurance policies. Um, we have accounts that the boys know what our account passwords are. Um, we have, um, what you call it, uh, NODs, which is, uh, no, uh, PODs at the banks, payable upon death. And that's something a lot of, uh, that African Americans don't know. You need to go to your banks to get a, a POD, I think it's called payable upon death. And it's just no more than a form that you have them sign, you fill out, and they fill out, and you sign it. That means if you die, then your kid can go and access the money out of your bank and get it all out. They don't have to wait and pay any taxes on it. And they can continue, especially if your kid's living with you, especially if kids living with you, they don't have to um, wait until they go and file downtown and wait and get your money all tied up into uh, probate, you know? That way they can live in the house. Otherwise, they're going to lose the house. They got to go live with auntie and them and all that stuff. You know, pay up upon death. They can go get the money out, put it in the account. See, our kids had bank accounts when they were like, I don't know, 10 years old when they can really understand finances. So they can go get the money out of your account, put it in their account and continue to pay the bills and they don't have to worry about it. And likewise, we got payable upon death, PODs um, in their accounts. So if something happened to them, we can go get the money out of their account, put it in our account. And the probate take whatever they need to take out of, you know, as long as they need to take for a little tangible stuff, whatever. So that's something very important. That's something I didn't even know about. So ladies and gentlemen, go look up PODs. Let me talk about the conversation of the will though. How tough it was, it's a, it seems to be a one-time conversation about insurance, PODs, wills. How tough is it? Why, pe why do people think that conversation is so tough to have? Is it because the energy of death? Yeah, I think the unknown or uncertainty, maybe the trust factor is gone. Um, I don't know. I mean, when we were, you know, I think I can remember growing up with my grand, my grandmother, my mom, and uh, death was like, oh, she died, you know, oh, death, 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 death. And the stigma was death was a scary thing, and we didn't really talk about it. But then I remember my grandmother paying on this life insurance comp, uh, company, Liberty, for all her life, and then it was only $5,000, and that hurt me. So, but... Death seems to be a scary topic in African-American culture. 
but it's going to happen. It's also, and in the flip side, when I get around some of my uh, millionaire friends and my billionaire oil friends that I'm learning from, um, it's an investment for them. Because if they know their mom is going to, she's 70 years old, they got a hefty life insurance policy on them. And the mom like, go take out an insurance policy. They talk about it and they get paid, you know? So it's, you know, cause it's, it's an investment policy. We find it, it's just, just my intake. Mm. African-American culture, we find it a slap in the face, a disrespect. Um, to go get a life insurance policy out on mom, dad, and grandma. But in our counterparts culture, they see it as an investment, um, a guaranteed payout. They'll go all go and get that. The, the two sisters and brothers that I know, they went and got a policy out on grandma, on mom and dad for 500000 They paid on it together. And now uh, when mom or dad paid, passed, they split, they split the policy. And then they come up a little bit, so it's an investment for them because it, they, it's guaranteed money. It's like paying the stock market. So I don't know why. And you know, my both my boys have a life insurance policy. Uh, Tyler got one for four dollars a month, and CJ got one for five dollars a month. That's how young we got it, you know, for them. And so the real part of it. Um, I don't want to leave it to anybody except my my kids. Yeah, you know. And if anything happened to us, you know, I don't, I don't know who I would want to leave. What I work hard to came to, I, I don't know. I don't know what my, you know. You know, we think we we, so we think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you, you got to look at it as an investment. I mean, that listen, you blowing my mind. Like I, it's right there in your face just culture the way certain certain other individuals live we need this information that is a great gem that, that might be in my top three gems that i heard so far throughout this whole entire solution series insurance policies on our parents and information like that is vital wow, hey, wow. i mean i i mean i mean my mother my biological mother and i talked and she said look you know, my, my, my mother is young. I mean, she's like 60 something. She said, but if you want to get insurance policy out on me, go ahead and get it. I said, yes, ma'am. I mean, cause it's an investment, mm -hmm. but you know, we both young. I mean, but it, you know, I can ask my brothers and sisters, my step brothers and sisters, if that's something they want to do, but the fallout. Now this is the second part, you know, the fallout of the monies because if somebody don't pay you know you got to do a contract what is you know you don't pay. yeah 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 so I, I would rather foot the bill myself and then say okay if my brother's not doing well then i could hand him something you mm -hmm. know because that's mentally not 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 because i feel a certain way but the right thing to do because i want to see my family eat you know okay that's what i do my sister that, doing that, well. And that goes back to what your grandmother taught you about writing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk husband talk. You only got a few more questions to go, but let's talk husband talk. Now this question- I'm here all day. Look, this question here, there's no wrong answer, but I want to hear what you would pick. As a husband, 
Would you rather have a great woman or a great wife? A great woman. You got to explain, expound on that answer. Well, I mean, I got, I got both, but a wife is going to have, and I, I am a minister, by the way. I know my wife is supposed to uplift me, give me when I'm weak or, you know, be my yang when I'm weak. You know, and I do have my moments when I'm not there. She's going to care for me. But I found that my wife is more than just a wife. She's a woman. She's out there making a way. She has aspirations just like me. Um, and put a footnote there. To me, we've been married now for what, 20, going on 26 years. My wife has a, a good man, a strong man. His woman, his wife, his woman will get some of his characteristics. And my wife has done that. I am an overachiever. She, my wife is the one who's nice, gonna treat everybody nice. When I get when I go from one to ten thousand, she's gonna reel me back in. I've seen my wife go from just no, I'm not going to do that to, I got to have it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. She's a woman about having things, about doing things. I've seen her go from uh, a small company to being a director, you know. And I know she's, she's inhibited some of my characteristics from doing that. And she's a woman about business. She's a woman about having things. And I see her grow all the time. Um, when she says, let's do this, let's do that. You know, I know where my mind is. I have to allow my wife to get to a certain place and have her own epiphany about things, how to, when she's ready to do a certain thing, I can't say, okay, baby, we're going to do this and then lead her to that point. I can't do certain things like that. But when she's ready to do her thing, I can say, okay, baby, let's, I'm with you. And she's going to do her thing. And I'm going to be right there beside her while she does it. You know, um, speaks value. She takes care of yeah, she, 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 she does. She does what she wants to do and when she wants to do it. Um, it's just, it just, it's all inclusive. You know, uh, I view, I view a wife as, you know, doing the biblical sense of the word, you know, just uplifting the husband uh, staying in her, uh, some type of role, you know, just calling the husband, the husband's out there. You know, I see a lot of postmen, so a real man takes care of his home, pays all the bill, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, that's fine. I mean, to each of their own. I have no nothing to knock on it, you know. Uh, I thank God for my, my wife wants to be more than just a wife. She just wants to be hard-charging out there, you know, getting these headaches with me, you know taking care of me, you know, putting up with all my stuff, you know. <laughs> so, you know, she's more than just a wife. She's a, she's an all-around great woman um, taking care of me uh, full That's time. It. So, I mean. It speaks volumes when a man can let go of his ego and get behind his wife. I think more guys need to look at that, look at that skill and know when to play that card. Oh, yeah. 
Validation from your partner. It's like you win a championship when you get the right woman. But Mr. Wesley, do you defend the title? And what I mean by that is, are you competing with, your, with yourself over the years to be the best you can be for your wife? All the things she loves that you know intricately, are you competing for the championship? Are you still doing all the things that you once did to keep her attention in her heart to keep you winning the title? You know, when I speak to couples that ask me for how do we do it, I often pull the, the male to the side and I say, hey man, you know, it's not a New Year's resolution. It's every birthday. When your birthday come around, you have to ask yourself, what did you do different from last year to this year to better yourself, better your marriage? Are you still look good? You know, you're not letting yourself go. Uh, did you do any traveling? Did you bring flowers? Did you remember the important dates? Um, you did a random kiss, you know. Um, you know, those those random things, kiss on the neck. She's going to fight you. Well, what are you doing? No, no, you know, but you got to do it. And so those affectionate things I still do, you know. Um, so, yes, the answer to that is yes. You know, you, you got to do, uh, and I owe her some dates, but the pandemic is, you know, oh, you know, we, we I mean, if you, if you follow, if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, we're always taking pictures. She takes pictures. She makes me smile. You know, I don't do the smiling thing, but, you know, she makes me smile. Um, but, uh, you know, the one of the things that she wants to do and I like doing is traveling. You know, we travel a lot, you know, and I always promised that we would see the world. And um, so that's what we're going to do. We see the world as much as possible. Um, but when this pandemic blows over, we'll get back to it. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I, like I don't have to compete. I don't have to compete for the affection because it's already there. I just have to keep watering the flower, you know, plant some new seeds so we can watch new flower grow. I mean, it's challenging. I mean, you know, you, you gotta, as a man, you know, you gotta keep creating something new but different at a different angle the same thing but from a different angle um mm. you know it, it's it, it's this it's the same thing but you know you gotta get a different look and like i said we've been married we've been together since 1988 and uh that's what 30 something years 32 years now let me tell you you know you're gonna do a lot of things it's the same thing so you can't come, you know, I, I, I'm not in a competition with nobody. I mean, if, if she don't know by now, then, you know, I can, it's nothing, you know, I can do about that, you know, but, <laughs> you know, so, you know, uh, but <laughs> like, 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 like you said, I'm still laughing. I'm still laughing at Cause I seen your Facebook pictures and the fact that she said she makes me smile. It's funny because I seen I seen your last photo shoot, man. <laughs> yeah, well that that's that's her thing, man. She said, you know, you yeah. gonna do a photo shoot. I think it's about like ten years ago. I'm like, I'm not doing a photo shoot. Oh, oh you gonna man. do a photo shoot? And then, then she's like, okay, 
She had you, you doing this photo shoot. Everything. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I get out here and I do this photo shoot. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this. So I'm out there like, yeah. this oh, is my, man. this is my smile. Yeah, I see. <laughs> That's my smile, you know? That's just me showing teeth. <laughs> this is my real smile. Yeah. So I'm smiling right now, you know, but she's like, that's not a smile. Smile, smile, smile. I'm smiling. One more yeah, thing. But, you know, yeah, man, ask, ask any questions, man. I One like this, thing. man. I, I came up with something called operating at 100%. Now, this is something that I'm trying to implement and everyone who comes on the show to give it a try. Now, what that means mm -hmm. is I took five categories and tried to operate at a 100%. I took purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge, and gave them all 20% each. And on a daily basis, I grade myself. And within a six to seven day period, I give myself an average to see if I'm operating in my purpose or operating at a high rate. Within the last 24 hours, would you say out of purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge, were you operating at 100%? Purpose meaning, purpose meaning you live, you're living in your purpose, doing the things you need to do. Health means you're eating right, working out, taking the mental precautions you need to make sure your health is intact. Confidence is that you don't have any insecurities at the moment while doing these things. Money is you made a little money, made a little investments, paid a bill. And knowledge is that you took in some new knowledge and some new information. So purpose, health, confidence, money, knowledge operating at 100 percent what percentage purpose health purpose well, health, confidence money knowledge and each one each one gets 20 percent so out of 20 percent of each one what percentage do you think you're working at let's see confidence i would be lacking because in the stock market i, I don't know much about it uh so i have to you know knock away some stuff because I really want to learn about options, but that's so confusing how to put a put and call on that, you know, so I have to back out of that. So I give myself um, 90% uh, across the board. Um, other than that, you know, I'm usually, but it won't take long for me to read a book and uh, Google some stuff. Other than that, um, that's it. 90%. Hey. 90% sounds good, brother. And I want to continue to push forward and get that information on them stocks. Thank you, sir. You are now a part of the Silhouette Boys Club. It's people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine. And we want to thank you for coming on the show today. One more thing. Mm -hmm. We'd like to get referrals of people you think want to come on the show and answer these questions. Men of respect, integrity, and hustle. Do you have anyone you would like to refer today? Uh, before I refer this person, I would say, I want to quote, paraphrase Malcolm X. And Malcolm says, uh, the ultimate measure of a man is not when he stands in the comfort of convenience, but when he stands in times of challenges and controversy. So stay strong, my friend, stay encouraged, okay? Um, person I want to recommend is my oldest son, Cam West, better known as Cameron Jr. I think you will be very pleased with his intelligence and wit. And uh, I think he'll do good. 
So whatever questions you have for him, open the floodgates. From <laughs> money, from money to girls to music, and his future plans. You know, get in there, ask him. <laughs> but look, man, we'll brother, brother, we appreciate you, man. We miss you. Stay safe out there, man, and uh, look forward to seeing you. No problem. Any shout outs you like to give today? Any last? I know you gave us the quote from Malcolm X, but anything else you want to say before you go? Yeah, I would like to give a shout out to uh, <clears throat> my mentor on the uh, investment side, Chris Sane. Um, a shout out to my family, my wife, my 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 better half, my wife Beverly Wesley, and um, uh, that's it. You know. Uh, I want to give a shout out to you and uh, thank you for having me. Um, I love to have on this platform and definitely to all the boys I mentor. Um, you guys stay encouraged. I always, that's my number one thing. Stay encouraged um, and persevere through these hard times. All right. Uh, that's about it, man. You know, Amy, I want to keep it long winded because I could be long winded. <laughs> <laughs> this is Solutions. Thank you. All right. Thank you, man. One time for the birth. Ha, ha, ha.